0: My name's Todd. This is Kathy. Welcome back to another episode of Zen Parenting Radio. This is podcast number 584. Why listen to Zen Parenting Radio? Because you'll feel outstanding and always remember our motto, which is the best predictor of a child's well-being, is a parent's self-understanding. I want you to tease today's show, sweetie, because then I got some announcements.
1: Um, I think we're going to call it the same thing that I'm calling my Zen Parenting That's
0: a weird name for a podcast. No.
1: I think we're going to call it Messages and Arrows.
0: I thought you were going to say messages in a bottle, a la the police.
1: Message in a bottle.
0: Um, okay, messages in arrows, so stay tuned for that. Um, a few announcements. One is a quick take. Last week, the Senate confirmed two cabinet members, Avril Haines, as Director of National Intelligence and former U.S. Army Four Star General Lloyd Austin, as Secretary of State. Aust-
1: no, not Secretary of State.
0: Oh, Secretary of Defense. Correct. Good catch. Thank you for that. Austin is the first black Pentagon chief, and he's hit the ground running. For his first directive, he's given military leadership two weeks to handle a review of their sexual assault prevention program. Wow. Important since, since an estimated 20,000 military women experienced unwanted sexual contact in 2018. That's crazy. Yeah. And good for uh, General Lloyd Austin. M- reminds me of uh, our friend, Mike Damish who mm-hmm. we had at the conference, because- he does a lot of that stuff with the military as he, well. He
1: talks about sexual assault and harassment. Yes, 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 he does.
0: So I just wanted to say that kudos to... Um,
1: well, and there's a lot of things that we have to be focusing on now, and it can be very difficult to figure out where mm-hmm. to begin. I'm sure the new administration is feels overwhelmed and challenged, yep. but I'm very pleased to see that that issue is not going to be placed on the back burner.
0: I'm totally with you there.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, So we like to focus on a Zen parenting moment at the beginning of every podcast. Sweetie, I chose the good friends one.
1: No, because what we're doing is we're, remember, we're putting together my Zen parenting moment that came out today Ah. with this podcast.
0: Can we focus on two moments? Because I have a few things planned for the podcast (laughs) okay so
1: so this is a this is a moment from last week yeah
0: and we're just going to quickly go over it it's um it's called good friends yes and your opening quote you always use some quote at the beginning is the most exciting challenging and significant relationship of all is the one that you have with yourself and if you can find someone to love the you that you love well that's just fabulous and who said that
1: Carrie Bradshaw. And I cheated a little bit. Okay. Because she actually says that at the very end of the last episode. And I think it's really more about Mr. Big. Okay. John, as we now know him to be. Yeah. But because Sex in the City, the whole thing was about the fact that her true soulmates were her friends,
0: mm-hmm.
1: I kind of just um, embellished and just decided that quote would. Speak for because Carrie Bradshaw is known for her friendships.
0: Sweetie, I'm not going to call the cops on you for embellishing. Good, you're okay. Thanks. Uh, But I just started thinking of friends and music. Uh huh. And I just, I just Googled some songs, and I'm just going to play a few seconds of each one, just for fun.
1: Friends and music. Yeah,
0: like songs about friendship. Oh,
1: songs about friendship. All right, now I understand. Here we
0: go. What's this one, sweetie? Oh,
1: this one's about friends.
0: It is. This is the most obvious choice. Yeah, it's about friends. Do you like this song, by the way? No.
1: I like it because I love friends, but it's not like if I hear this on the radio, I'm like cranking it up.
0: Yeah. And the I'm, Rembrandts. I'm watching the video and the characters are in the video, which is, is kind of hilarious.
1: Kind of like the St. Elmo's Fire video. But what about John this one? Parr.
0: Toy Story? Who sings this one?
1: Randy Newman.
0: Very good. What do you think of his voice?
1: Um, Interesting, right? I think it works well with animated movies.
0: I think so too. All right. So that's that one. I got a few more.
1: And then he had short people, which wasn't very nice.
0: Yeah. What's up with that song? (laughs) That wasn't nice. Short people got no reason to live. Is that? Cars that that
1: that go beep, beep, beep.
0: I don't know that part. I just know that one line that they don't know, no reason to live. This is a less popular song, but one that I love. Okay. If You don't know this song. just Put it in your playlist.
1: You know what? I used this song at the conference last year. I put it over that video of that little kid who's walking with the dog. Mm-hmm. And then she turns around or he turns around and starts jumping in the puddle. And the yep. dog just sits there and waits. Yes. Do you remember that? I do. It was so wonderful. Yeah.
0: All right. Uh, just a few more. Promise. Okay. Um, Do you like this version or the Joe Cocker version? This version. So do I. Ringo.
1: Right. What would you think if I sang
0: Got it too. Would you stand up and walk out on me? Oh, Ringo. Did Ringo write it? I have no idea, but I I love that if, song. If
1: Ringo's singing it, mm-hmm. I have um uh, I would predict that he's the writer.
0: I think you're probably right. I don't think John and Paul wrote a lot of songs for <laughs> Ringo. It's just a right. guess.
1: And, you know, so I'm looking it up right now. Um, While
0: you're looking it up, what about this one? <laughs> Garth. This is probably one of the most famous songs ever, isn't it? Blame it all on my roots. I showed up in boots. And your and what's, fair. what's funny about this is he sang the at the inauguration, you know, and our girls asked this question.
1: Sure oh, okay, so Garth Brooks comes out <laughs> and sings Amazing Grace, as those of you know who watch the inauguration. Yeah. And our girls are like, who's that? And we're like, that's Garth Brooks. You know, kind of like, yeah. And they were like, and? Who's Garth Brooks? And we're like... Garth Brooks, like he's like the best selling country singer ever. He sold the most like tickets for stadium tours. Like he's, and they're like, that still doesn't happen. I
0: feel like it's our our kids know a lot of stuff about music that we used to love, 70s, 80s, 90s. But somehow, for for some reason, Garth Brooks eluded them.
1: Well, probably because it's country. I mean, I know he crossed over a bit, you know, like he became mainstream famous, but. That didn't, and and I like country, but my girls don't tend to listen to country. Mm -hmm. And we don't play a lot of Garth Brooks around the house.
0: Um, And then two more songs. You said one more, didn't you? You lied. Wait, hold on. Go ahead.
1: That song, with a little help from my friends, was written by Lennon McCartney.
0: I'll be darned. They said, Ringo, you do this.
1: That's so great.
0: That's surprising. Yeah. Nice. Um, I feel like this is like the girl national anthem of friendship songs. Do you know what song I'm about to play?
1: The girl national anthem no girl Well I mean this is my girl
0: I think that all song. girls like this song and they think about I don't I think this is a very female song
1: Well I know it means something to me are you getting this because I used to like this song
0: that and other other stuff hmm. Why do you like this song, sweetie?
1: College. Yes. Yeah. I mean, this was, this is Edie Burkell, and this was like a song that reminds me of my girlfriends, Totally. sure.
0: All right, last one. And this Did is, I put
1: that song on the mix I made for you?
0: Uh, no, I don't think so. That oh. you saved that for your friends, sweetie. I guess. Um, this is the funny one.
1: Okay. We have a friend. Come on. I'm not even going. I got what Larry. I need, but you say he's just a friend, and you say he's just a friend, oh, baby, you. Yeah, I don't get it, Chris Marquis. He I can't, I can't sing.
0: <laughs> I mean, I can't sing either, but I'm not a singer. Like, all due respect, like, he doesn't come close to hitting that note.
1: I know. Oh, baby, you. That was pretty good. Thank you. That was pretty good. So, uh, yeah, I don't get that one either.
0: Um, okay. Thank you for obliging me sure. down that memory lane. Sure. Um, what Zen parenting moment do you want to focus on?
1: Well, messages and arrows. That's okay. my point is I'm oh, trying and to... I haven't
0: read it yet, so...
1: Right. So, but that's okay, okay. Um, because it doesn't come out until today Yes. and we're taping this the day before today. <laughs> How's that for going We're taping this the day
0: before today. That'd that'd be a neat trick. (laughs)
1: What I mean is you guys are getting this on Tuesday and we're taping this on
0: Monday. We're not taping this now. We're taping this yesterday.
1: (laughs) We have gotten in a time machine and we're going back. So um, I guess my point is this. So I will, um, I'm not going to read the whole thing, but basically the gist of Messages and Arrows is that the practice of us understanding our feelings and then role modeling what we call feelings and talking about our feelings and acknowledging that we feel a bunch of different feelings is really helpful to our kids. Because that, if we can do that, that first layer of, you know, I'm feeling angry or I was angry or I'm disappointed, you know, and really getting into the nitty gritty of words, like, you know, anger tends to be this umbrella, but we can narrow that down to resentment Mm. or disappointment or fear, you know, we can really get into it. But why... This is important and this is where the messages and arrows thing comes in is that once we allow our kids to feel and express their emotion we can go to the next layer which is teach them to understand the messages that emotions are conveying mm-hmm. because mes- because emotions are messages and arrows yeah. right like emotions aren't this like thing we must deal with and and push away they are the signals from our own body and mind that something either and I don't want to say good or bad because they're too in they're too you know sometimes something um there's too much overlap yeah. you know it's not that easy and the truth is like emotions are neither good or bad, they just provide information. So
0: real quick, so I was gonna use the word indicators. Uh So your feelings are indicators of something and maybe we'll talk about what that means. And then there's a second thing I was gonna share with you and I forgot what it was, so go ahead.
1: Okay, well, just like I said, just to reiterate, emotions provide information. Um, They only become a challenge if we try to not feel them, Mm -hmm. repress them, pretend they're not there, um, or if, we are unwilling to acknowledge them and then we behave in a certain way that hurt our relationships or ourselves. Or if we kind of do all of the above and we, you know, that completely sidetracks our goals in our life. For sure. Like, so emotions... And, and that's not to say... um that they aren't difficult. But I actually, I found two quotes today that I thought were good. Um, The practice of how to be with what feels intolerable. Mm. Isn't that good? The practice of how to be with what feels intolerable.
0: And and that for me just stirs up like the really kind of heavy emotions. It's funny, like sometimes, you know, I used to think there was good and bad emotions. Joy is good. Anger is bad. Mm -hmm. I no longer believe that, but I would even sometimes like to describe this part, I would be like good or bad emotions. And now what I like to, how I like to describe it is comfortable and uncomfortable. Okay. They're they're all, Mm -hmm. they're all, I don't know, they're either all good or they're all neutral, but Mm -hmm. they're not bad. No. How you express it is a different story.
1: Well, let me kind of throw a thing in here because there's two emotions that I can speak of many, but I'll just speak of two emotions that we tend to deem as positive, but then they are very intolerable. Mm -hmm. The first one is joy, Mm -hmm. which we were just talking to my daughter about this the other night. She was really surprised, but then really kind of understood what we were saying. When you experience joy, it can be very uncomfortable. Why? Because you're afraid. That it will go away and you're afraid it will be taken away and that if we really acknowledge why we feel joy or that we are feeling joy, that the other shoe is going to drop and we won't be able to hold that joy. Mm -hmm. And the truth is half of that sentence is absolutely true. You can't hold joy. Joy comes and goes just like sadness and disappointment and fear. They come and go. But you can appreciate joy. And you do not have to push away joy, but that is an emotion that tends to be intolerable. The other one, which is so interesting, um, is we go around wanting people to acknowledge us, right? Like really, it's, am I worthy? Do you see me? And the truth is when someone gives us a compliment or acknowledges us, we often push it away. For sure. We can't tolerate when someone acknowledges us, yet our whole life is about finding
0: acknowledgement.
1: Isn't that ironic?
0: We want it Don't so desperately think? and then when we get it, we push it away. Correct.
1: And that's why emotions are so funky. Mm-hmm. That's why the the other quote that I wrote down that is so that I thought was really helpful with this is it's a roomy quote. Do you make regular visits to yourself, hmm. question mark? And I love that because it's like, <clears throat> what am I feeling? Why am I feeling that? Wait, someone just acknowledged me and I was looking for that and I pushed it away. What am I doing? Why am I doing that? Where did I learn that? Where did that come from? Like, this is really just another way to explain self-awareness. Do you make re- regular visits to yourself? Yeah. Like, do you... And, and everything is a bit of a Zen puzzle, as sure. we, ooh, we have to explain what we messed up on last week with a Zen puzzle.
0: I don't make mistakes, sweetie.
1: Dude, we so made a mistake. Yeah, it's over here. Okay. So while Todd's getting it, I'm going to let him read it and explain what the thing is. But last week, Todd brought up a Zen riddle that was on my Zen calendar, and he read it and was kind of making fun of it and saying that it is ridiculous. It you know, he's like, sense. it didn't make any sense to him. He's off in the background trying to dig through the garbage and find it. <laughs> Um, and so, and we got a bunch of emails and tweets. People were tweeting at us. They're like, you guys, hello. Said parenting radio for 10 years.
0: Here we go. A monk said to his master, I've been with you a long time. So we, last week I read this and I made fun of it right. because I didn't understand it. Right. A monk said to his master, I've been with you a long time, yet I'm not able to understand your way. How is this? So the master said, where you do not understand, there's your place for your understanding. So the monk replied, how is this understanding possible when it is impossible? So the master says, the cow gives birth to the baby elephant, clouds of dust rise over the ocean, end quote. I'm like, what are they talking about? And the mistake, I think, I was thinking of the cow as in cattle. But what we found out, I think, was... A elephant's offspring are cows. Is that correct? Uh,
1: the Well, the, let me get this right so we don't get we're it gonna wrong again. We're going to screw it up again, again and then okay. we'll, we'll,
0: we'll ask for forgiveness next week if we screw it up yet again.
1: Okay. Elephant. <laughs> I thought we were so cool. I'm like, listen. Oh, here it is. A cow elephant. An elephant cow is smaller in size. <laughs> okay. Let me make sure this is right. I thought, Wait besides their elephant cow. Okay, this is that's not right. How are cows related to elephants? Elephants have little in common with cattle, but they share with them the names for adult male, which yeah. is the bull, and adult female, which is the cow, and juvenile, which is the calf. So an Thank elephant. You. so does that explain So the cow it?
0: is the adult elephant. Right. So what I needed in this quote was not to say the cow cuz I don't know that cow's Adult male, adult female elephants are referred to as cows. That confused me.
1: Right, adult female. The quote elephants.
0: should say the adult female cow gives birth to the baby elephant. But instead, it says the cow, and I'm like, what but, are they talking about? But Todd,
1: about? you're acting as if like the Zed Masters. Like, let me just lay this out for you. Yeah, the la- whole point- I like
0: things to be laid out. <laughs>
1: the whole point of this is the words can sometimes make us assume mm-hmm. something specific, but the truth. Is hidden within the words. So, do
0: you think that the writer was trying to like mess with me?
1: The writer? It's a Zen riddle, dude. Sweetie,
0: it was read by Zen, it was written by Zen Mondo. Right. So, one of my favorite Zens, (laughs) Zen Mondo. Oh, I I just, okay.
1: Okay. So, I guess the point is, and and I'm using the language riddle and everything on purpose because the whole, as I said last week, and I won't, you know, talk about this ad nauseum, but. Zen is about the paradox, yes, right. Contradictions. Zen, Zen is about the mystery and about invi- investigating what isn't clear, because the truth is nothing in life is one hundred percent clear. Yeah. And even when you think it's clear, it's not. You know what I mean? Like sure. there's all sorts of gray, and which is kind of what we're talking about today with emotions. So sure. it goes along with it. But I wanted to say to the people who emailed us and tweeted us, thank you, because we did not know.
0: Thank you, and if I'm still screwing it up, let me know. <laughs> let me-
1: People are pretty good at letting us know when we're wrong.
0: Yeah. And I don't mean... Sweetie, if loving you is wrong, I don't want to be right. Well,
1: good. Don't be. Um, but um, they—it's not. I don't mean people email us and say negative things, but when we talk about something and we're off, they'll be like, you know, you said this, but this wasn't correct.
0: Um, can we go back real quick sure. to the feelings? So joy. So you're like, oh, how can joy be uncomfortable? And this goes back to, I guess, to some versions of Buddhism, which I know a little bit about, I guess. mm mm-hmm. um, i will be like, well, joy's great. Like, well, there's no bad parts of joy. And right. this is kind of what you said. You're afraid it's going to go away. Correct. So the one th- word that helped me when I was going through the Michael Singer course that I took was the idea of clinging.
1: Yes. Perfect. Okay. Mm-hmm.
0: So um, I'm having an ice cream sundae on a Friday, having watching TV with my sweetie. Uh-huh. And I'll be like, my God, this is so great. I'm with my sweetie. I'm eating hot fudge sundae ice cream. Do you think cream. that? Yes, oh, well, when I do that. But lately I've been getting the Mr. Misty freezes from Dairy Queen. you got grape. What's up with
1: that? It was Gross. delicious.
0: Um, the th- the problem is what I will sometimes do is I will, while in the moment, I will cling and say, I want to keep this moment. Yes. I want to keep it the next day and the next right. day instead of just be in the moment. So that's one half of the equation. The other half of the equation, which is much easier for us to understand, which which is resisting mm-hmm. the uncomfortable emotions, call it anger, sadness, fear, any of those things. So <clears throat> resisting the uncomfortable ones makes a little bit more sense to most of us because right? we don't like feel uncomfortable. The, the comfortable emotions of joy, like how that can go sideways is the clinging idea. So I just wanted to kind of say that out loud.
1: Absolutely. And, and the interesting thing is, is if understanding the joy comes and goes like all the other emotions, could actually help us with the other emotions. Sure. What I mean by that is we could be more comfortable with the more intolerable sure. emotions, the more traditionally intolerable. Yeah. If we, you know, you know how joy comes in and we'll be like, man, this is great. And then we just kind of feel it. And and by the way, just to throw this in here so I don't forget, per um, per research, Uh, gratitude research and through uh, Brene Brown's vulnerability research, we know that the best way to tolerate joy is to experience gratitude in that Mm -hmm. moment, which means to actually have a practice of saying internally or out loud, I am grateful for Mm -hmm. this moment. That allows you to hold it as a memory. It allows you to breathe it in as something that really happened and it keeps you from pushing it away.
0: That's the Jim and Pam in Niagara Falls from the office. That's the click. They do the, they pretend Mm -hmm. they have a camera in their hands and they click it. In other words, creating a snapshot probably of gratitude, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but also, you know, there may be some clinging in there too, like wanting to hold on to it, but we'll just say it was, it was a gratitude thing.
1: But to dig into that, wouldn't you call that, I wouldn't call that clinging as much as I would call acknowledging Yeah. because clinging is, I don't want to let it go. Acknowledging the snapshot. You're right. Do you know what I mean? Like there is, we have to at least for a moment say, this is a good thing. But I guess my point is, is that we can acknowledge it, have gratitude, but then that experience can remind us that the other emotions come and go too. Mm -hmm. So when we feel, let's just talk about disappointment. We feel really disappointed, and we think to ourselves, "This is horrible," and and I have to have a whole experience with feeling this disappointment. And and disappointment can shape our view about things, right? Reshape. It can change things, and so we have to sit in the discomfort of that. But it will not stick around forever. Sure. You know, this is why um, age becomes so beautiful. Yeah. And why we call people who are older. Wise Mm -hmm. because we've had so many experiences that when a new one comes in, we have to feel it just like any other human being. But we have the privilege, you know, age gives us privilege, by the way, because we every year we get to say, I'm still here, you know. But, um, the privilege of saying, I've had an experience like this before, and I know that it comes and goes, Mm. I know I'll be okay, or I know if I don't know I'll be okay, I know I have the tools to map this out
0: well one learning that i i got out of a book called uh radical acceptance i think by jeff foster who you just told me about is ill so all my love goes to this author who i've never met but read one of his books and it was extremely powerful
1: are you sure it's radical
0: no because that's tara brock i'm probably screwing it up but it's something about i'll look it up uh I thought of it. You'll, you'll look it up. And okay. Let me know. But one thing he taught me in reading... Actually, I listened to the book. I didn't read it. Is It's waves. And mm-hmm. I already knew that. Like Because mm-hmm. you just said they come and go. But mm-hmm. for some reason, when I visualize a wave, I like think of the ocean and mm-hmm. they just come in and go out. That helps me when I'm in these uncomfortable feelings. Like, this will go away. right? And the good will go... You know, the comfortable will go away. The uncomfortable will go away. Like, that's kind of just the way of our world like things come and then they go
1: they do and so do we yeah yeah. (laughs) do you know what i mean just to like take it to that like higher level is we are waves Mm -hmm. like life and energy and being alive is or i shouldn't should i say being alive i I think I'll, i'll keep it more gray than that We come from the energy that is the ocean, and we are waves that come and go, like our form, our body, you know, we -hmm. we are too. So I'm reading his books, um, and I'm trying to think of the one that you read, Life Without Center, Beyond Awakening, um, The Revelation of Oneness, The Wonder of Being. Oh, here it is. The Deepest Acceptance, Mm. Radical Awakening in Ordinary Life.
0: That's the one. That's the one. I loved it.
1: That's 2012. If anybody's interested
0: in in reading a book that at least it knocked my socks off. Um, Can I ask another question? Please. Feelings, emotions. We learned from Jill Bolte, Taylor, and a whole bunch of other people. And they say, if you allow for it, emotions will will come and be complete in 90 90 seconds. 90 seconds, yep. I kind of believe it, but then I kind of don't. And I just wonder if you can riff on that.
1: So yeah, I think that the the actual feeling, the actual feeling that you get can be 90 seconds. The experience with a feeling can be different. And I'll give you an example. Sadness or disappointment. Um, if you are disappointed, okay, let's just talk about what disappointment is. Because sure. we were saying before that... Um, the awareness of emotions and understanding they're not good and bad can help us talk to our um, children I'm laughing at you. So Todd, so something I got for the girls for sorry, little stopping point for the holidays was I got them this huge <sighs> bottle. It's a gallon. It's like a gallon and read what it says on the side.
0: Um, on the side, it says build life, but then it has all these kind of bullet Levels. points from the very top. So think of a gallon of milk. It's a clear gallon of water. And it's 7 a.m., so if you fill it all the way up, it starts at 7 a.m., and as you drink, it gets later in the day. So it's my way of seeing whether or not I'm going to drink a gallon of water today. So
1: the first one says what? Good
0: morning. And then the last- At 9 a.m. it says, you've got it. (laughs) 11 a.m. says, remember your goal. 1 a.m. says, that's it. 1 p.m. Oh, sorry. 3 p.m. says keep drinking. Okay. I guess you can interpret that in a lot of different ways.
1: (laughs) This bottle.
0: Yeah. 5 p.m. says no excuses. 7 is a little bit more. And 9 is well done. Well done. Well done, Leslie. Well
1: done, Leslie. Um, So anyway, I was... So I'm laughing at Todd because he's trying to like hold this huge bottle and drink out of it. I'm
0: distracting you.
1: you're, You're fine. So... Basically, disappointment is the emotion that gives, it the, gives us the message that we bravely tried something and cared deeply about the outcome. Sure. And the outcome wasn't what we expected, right? Mm-hmm. So disappointment necessitates a bit of grieving. So the feeling of disappointment is one thing the experience of dealing with the disappointment is another thing. Right. Okay. So I don't think people being like, I'm disappointed, count to 90, it's over. I think that first wave, don't you think the first wave of the feeling is so much harder than any other wave? Well,
0: I feel like we need to back up a little bit for somebody like me, who I think is a little bit more uh, emotionally challenged than you are. Okay, And what I want to say is that the idea of feeling what does that mean because most of the time when we ask each other how we're feeling we say fine or or we might even say I'm angry but like what does that mean and what I'm learning about myself through experimentation and just living life and reading books and listening to my sweetie it's it it's located in your body yes. and that was really radical for me like what do you mean no i'm just angry i'm just having thoughts of anger right and i just wonder if you can kind of speak to the idea of a feeling actually being in your body or i'm i'm happy to too but i just want to hear your two cents about about how sadness fear joy all these things actually reside inside the body
1: well i think that Again, we have to remember that the mind and body are connected, um, and sometimes we can become too focused either way. Like if we're too uh, cerebral, then we just focus on how am I thinking, how am I thinking, how am I thinking, and we're very disconnected from our body.
0: And I'm raising my hand.
1: But getting better, right? Getting Don't better. You feel. Yep. So like we floating heads is mm-hmm. what I often refer to, and where everybody's like, well, I'm thinking it, so that's all that matters. Then there's the body, which has all sorts of feelings that are going on intuitive hits, um, pain, tingling, um, discomfort, you know, all sorts of things. And we could be a body without a head, too, where every single sensation we get, we don't think it through. Like, what I believe in is the joining of both. Like, I always said, my favorite picture is a heart and a mind, like a brain shaking hands. Yeah. The ideal situation is like recognizing the connection. So say you find yourself kind of running through the day and rushing through the day and you're uncomfortable and you're moving from thing to thing really fast. And it's almost like I I heard this this morning and I thought it was so true. You know, a red flag for um, that there's a feeling you're not dealing with is if you're rushing around.
0: Mm, Uh Oh,
1: well, but I know you may relate that to you, but I hear me out first, because sure. I don't think that you're constantly trying to avoid a feeling. I think you're habitually I think there doing is some work.
0: truth to that, but go ahead.
1: Maybe, maybe. I mean, only you know. I don't really know. But there. we also get into habits sure. where we're like, I just think I'm supposed to be constantly busy. Yeah. So it could be a mixture of both. But a red flag is that I'm running around, I'm running around, and I don't want there to be any open space because then I have to deal with whatever's going on in my body and mind. And what I think the, it's part of the reason that I really like meditation is that it's less about, oh, I'm changing my brain waves and all, you know, or, oh, I'm gonna sit here because I consider myself a meditator. Like people meditate for different reasons, but my favorite thing is, is I want to have a practice of being able to sit with my brain, Yeah. okay? So I wanna be able to sit and watch what my brain is doing and thinking And be able to manage that. Mm. It's interesting because you and I kind of had a disagreement the other night about this. and We never came full circle about it because I was saying, when you meditate, your thoughts never stop. Sure. And you disagreed with
0: me. I said that there's moments in meditation where I, believe me, this is rare. And it's not necessarily like this is my goal, but there are moments when I feel like there is an absence of thoughts. Okay. So I don't think, I, you know, I can, I think you can argue this either way. And what you said is, you know, the, your mind is always doing something. Correct. Well, that's true. There is brain activity going on every moment you're alive. But during meditation, I feel like there are moments when I'm in what I call the sweet spot, and they're very elusive, where there is like just black darkness, nothing, like zero.
1: So, and again, It really doesn't matter what I say about it, because if you appreciate that, that's all that matters. Like, I think we can get to, again, cerebral about it where we're like, no, this is really what's happening. But what I, I was pushing back on you about it is that there is an observer who's thinking about, hey, right now, I'm not experiencing thoughts. So that in itself is a thought.
0: That's right. So this is so interesting, because the moment I'm observing, like, wow, that last 30 seconds was rock solid. I have, I've lost it. Right. But that 30 seconds that preceded that where the observer wasn't even present, I feel like that's what I was talking about.
1: And what I would challenge you with, because mm-hmm. this is why, this because I, I teach this all the time to my students, and this is why I was getting focused on the words, your brain and your heart are similar mm-hmm. in that they are organs of your body. Sure. There are times when we are not taking our blood pressure or we're not feeling our pulse, but that doesn't mean our heart's not beating. Correct. It's the same with the brain. There, I believe in that thirty seconds. Um, what happened? In, and again, this is this is irrelevant. It's just I'm trying to use language. You either go above your thoughts or drop below your thoughts, mm. whichever way you would rather look at it. Mm. I I tend to, even though below sometimes can have a negative connotation, I feel like I get to a deeper place where I am like, my thoughts are still going on up there, but I'm in a new place. I'm in a place that feels connected to everything that is not about the
0: brain. So you're saying there's moments while in meditation that you are below your thoughts, but you still know that they're there. They're
1: thinking. They are.
0: Right. And I'm more like there's, it's, absence of everything. Correct. But
1: it's the same thing. Right. It could be two different ways
0: of describing the same thing.
1: This is why it really doesn't matter. You don't need to go, oh, yeah, you're right, and therefore that's what it is. Because if you're like, I have moments where I'm not experiencing thought, just put a period at the end of that mm-hmm. because you're not experiencing it. But the if I'm sure, someone listening to this who is a neurobiologist or someone would say, "Well, your thoughts never stopped, sure. because that'd be like your heart stopped, yeah,
0: your kidneys and everything." Exactly,
1: else. but you found a place where your observer wasn't hyper. My observer wasn't
0: there either, cor-
1: or you're I, you were in tune with your observer.
0: Maybe I, I don't, part of me is like the observer went out the door and he's not here, and there's no observation. There's no there, I don't know, I'm trying to come up with the words to describe what I'm saying. There is no observer and there's not even anything that's being observed. Like there's, they're they're gone. Okay. In a great way. Right. And like I said, I rarely ever get that. And, you know, sometimes I criticize myself and others like, well, if you're trying to get to a different place when you're meditating, you're probably not have the best, the most clear intention. So anyways, right. Um, there's a part of me that wants to talk about Empowery, sweetie.
1: Okay, before you get there, let me finish how okay. we got here, Okay, which is the fact that how did we get here?
0: You can't get there from here. You can't get
1: there from here. Um, best funny thing to say, if somebody ever asks you for directions, just say, you know what? You can't get there from here. That's right. Because they'll go, oh. I
0: know. That's a great, yeah. Back when people used to ask for directions. Now <laughs> that we right. have phones.
1: Nobody asks anymore. It would be silly.
0: I used to work at a gas station. I used to get... Um, directional questions all the time i
1: bet and did you ever not
0: know no because i mean of course maybe but i i worked where i grew up so i was pretty familiar with my surroundings do you
1: know where i get the most directional questions where um two places number one when i on our block because Mm -hmm. we happen to live at a dead end and if you miss a a block that's Mm -hmm. about two or three blocks from us you can't get onto North Avenue, which yeah. is our major. And people will come down our street to our dead end and think they can get on North Avenue. Yeah. So they'll kind of drive around. And if I'm outside, they'll say, Where How do, we do I get go? Over there? The other place I get asked directions is if I'm walking in the city. If mm. you're in Chicago, yeah. people will say, You know, where's the blah, blah, blah? Yeah. Don't you think?
0: Uh, sometimes. Yeah. I wish I would say that I'm in the city nowadays but yeah. it doesn't really happen
1: i'm kind anymore. of pulling on history here um okay so why don't you i am not quite sure where we right. ended. right we'll start so somewhere ahead. else okay
0: so we have something special for our teams Zen community and we want to invite anybody who's listening to this podcast yes. to join our teams Zen community i'm calling it empuary <laughs> instead of february it's about empathy What's empathy? It's the ability to sense other people's emotions, things like that. And to be tuned with your own. And to be in tune with your own. So Kathy had this idea of focusing on this idea of empathy for an entire month.
1: Yeah. So I'm hold on one second. I I'm,
0: have the dates of the four different weeks if you need those. If I, that's what you're looking
1: for. I do. I actually wanted to see what I sent because um, I wrote something about it. Um, blah, blah, blah.
0: While you're looking it up, do, I didn't know that there's three different types of empathy, cognitive, yeah. emotional, and compassionate.
1: Yes. This so, is super important.
0: So I'm going to learn a lot in, in empruery.
1: I know this is very important. Um, so, okay. So I found it. So basically this is Todd's calling it empruary, but what so, I, what I mean, we
0: are <laughs> calling it empruery. <laughs> what
1: I'm calling it is empathy volume. Oh yeah. That's okay? right. So empathy volume, I just made this up because what I'm finding from my students and my clients is that they are either, either str- and me, I, I, me too, I am either struggling with turning my volume up. You see volume? Yes. See the connection time? Please
0: go to 11. Tur-
1: turning my volume up to stay connected or I'm having to practice turning my empathy volume down to avoid burnout. Mm. Because dude, right now in the midst of all this change, um, our empathy, if we're thinking about every single person right now who's struggling, we're going to be on the floor. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I do. And so if our empathy and, – and what I was telling Todd about is I really get interested in hearing researchers debate empathy. Mm. And, you know, like I was listening to this guy on Dax's podcast um, – can you look it up for me so I know who it is? Sure. Um, just look up Dak Shepherd's podcast. He was on last week. Um, and I want to be able to say his name. And he was talking about, I think he's from Stanford, and he's an empathy researcher, and he was talking about how he and Paul Bloom, who's also Jamil Zaki. Yeah, Jamil Zaki. He was talking about how he and Paul Bloom, who is also an empathy researcher, like debate what empathy means and if it's good or bad. And then I remember. Obviously, Brene Brown talks about empathy. And remember, she and Adam Grant, who is also a researcher, or he is like a um, – he brings other people's research sure. together. I think he does some of his own too. I don't want to sell him short. But he, she and Adam, Adam Grant and Brene Brown kind of got into it yeah. over empathy being good or bad. And and I guess for those of you who like, what do you mean good or bad? Some people talk about empathy being a positive thing because the more we can relate – to our se- oh, the more we can relate to other people because we can understand what they're feeling because we've felt it too and we can go in there with them and relate to them, we will then be more likely to take care of them. That's like perpetuating the species. That is why we have mirror neurons in our brain, which is we can feel what other people can feel. Now, that that's a great thing because that's why we can put ourselves in other people's shoes, Right. But some researchers feel that empathy can be a detriment because if we're constantly feeling what other people are feeling, we're gonna be brought down by it and we're gonna be unable to be effective and in helping. Like the example that's always given is if you're a surgeon and you are experiencing significant empathy, you may not be able to go in there and perform surgery, okay? Because you're like, I'm feeling the family, I'm feeling this person. So a surgeon has to be thoughtful and and I would say this myself as a therapist, like I had to learn how to listen to people's issues and challenges without running them through my own body, which is what I used to do, yep. which is why I would get sick so much. So it's a practice of keeping your empathy in check. And I'm calling it for fun because- Empathy volume. Empathy volume. Which I love. And as a parent, you know- you have to stay and you have to stay connected to your kid, but you can't take on all your kid's issues,
0: sweetie. I would say that your empathy volume meter is close to an eleven. Well, and I, mine is closer to one. No, no. Well, I'm I, just saying compared to where you are. So I, I'm, I'm making the the you're example. You're being dramatic, yeah. Right. So we need to meet in the middle.
1: We do. I agree that I need to come in more and maybe you need... I need to decrease my volume and you need to increase your volume. But what I will say is that I think I will give us both credit in that I have done a lot of work to decrease my volume, which is like what I said to you before about how I used to not be able to do one-on-one therapy with people. Now I can because I don't inhale everything. I have so many tricks like... And and when I call them tricks, I don't really care if other people don't understand them. Like even when I used to have women's circle in my house, which I don't anymore because of COVID, I would open the windows yep. so people so people's energy could like Sweetie
0: every time I sneeze you open you open up no. the car door window.
1: Well sneezes are energy. Like I don't want to. I know, but that. even if
0: I'm sneezing right into my elbow.
1: Yeah, like but I need my... it to escape out the window.
0: Can I play something? Yes, go ahead. You know what we use on stage, but it's very, very special because if you can see, yeah. The numbers all go to eleven. Look, right across the board. Oh. 11, oh, 11 And most 11, of the amps go up to ten. Exactly. Does that mean it's louder? Is it any louder? Well, it's one louder, isn't it? It's not ten. You see, most most blokes, you to know, be playing at ten. You're on ten here, all the way up, all the way up, yeah. all the way up. You're on ten on your guitar. Where can you go from there? Where? I don't know. Nowhere, exactly. <laughs> what we do is, if we need that extra push over the cliff you know what we do Uh, put it up to 11 11, exactly one loud why don't you just make 10 louder and make 10 be the top number and make that a little louder these go to 11 oh my god
1: that's the answer these go to 11 (laughs) um so so i guess and i was gonna say and you have been focused or at least been a good listener in how i Cause when, when I do have a lot of feelings, like I ask you to understand my feelings.
0: Yeah.
1: I ask you to practice understanding or being in my shoes. That's yeah. kind of what I did the other day is I'm like, can you stand in my shoes? Yeah. And there is, I, I think you've been very
0: open to it. I'm open to it. It's a muscle that needs to be worked. Correct. And that's what we're going to be doing in the month of Emperuary. Right. Um, so, what does this look like? So, empathy volume, sweetie. Started. She created an outline on February second, which is kind of when we're kicking it off. We're gonna think. We're gonna do Facebook posts. This is for the Teams Zen community. We'll explain how to jump in if you want to. The week one is for my, about mindful caring. Uh huh. Week two is caring too much or burnout. Correct. Week three is creativity and balance. Correct. And week number four is look around. Look, look around. Look, look around. Reading, watching, and noticing. Um, so
1: let me explain a little ahead. more. So mindful caring is about how to have a more balanced empathy volume. You know, February 9th, caring too much burnout is how to like notice that maybe you, your empathy volume is too high yep. and, you know, again, practices to turn it down. Um And then February 16th, creativity and balance. I think Todd and I will focus a lot on tools. And the reason I I like the word creativity is because there's so many ways to practice healthy empathy. And I, I, you know... There's just a lot of practices that may fit you depending on who you are and and how you organize your day. Because if we just give one tool, then some people will be like, well, I'm not going to do that. And I want to give as many tools as we can so people feel more connected. And then obviously February 23rd, the look around one um, is noticing, becoming more astute in tune with – you know, what you're reading, what you're watching, what you're noticing, and that would be uh, Todd and I giving you resources that more like TED Talks or podcasts, and also just your personal experience with how you are engaging with people in an empathetic manner. So Todd just said that this is for Team Zen, which is true. It's going to be more intense or in-depth, or there'll be a lot more resources for Team Zen. But I think each week we're going to incorporate this into the Zen Parenting podcast.
0: Well, if nothing else, we're also uh, launching a pop culturing episode tomorrow, Wednesday, on The Breakfast Club. And I just Googled, this is an idea you and I haven't even talked about this. I just did movies about empathy. Uh Uh-huh. So these are my 3 suggestions and maybe we'll do 1 or 2 or 3 of them in the month of Do
1: you think Breakfast Club is about empathy? For sure. I do too.
0: Yeah, that's that's a perfect mm-hmm. starting point. Mm-hmm. Um the other movies that I want to us to consider is Inside Out.
1: Yes, of course. Emotions
0: of course. feeling. Um To Kill a Mockingbird? Absolutely. They're and my then favorites. Last but not least uh The Perks of Being a Wallflower that's also showed favorite. up. My favorite. So maybe we'll do. Some... I get
1: so like melancholy when I think about that movie. Nobody ever wants to watch it with me. I've well, suggested like five times. Maybe
0: Team Zen will watch it with you.
1: Okay, but I'll watch it. Can with we you? do it as a pop culture? Or... For sure,
0: that's what I mean. Okay,
1: so we can. Yeah. All right.
0: So we got a lot cooking in the month of Empreuri. Everybody's gonna be sick of hearing me say. I'm that.
1: gonna call it Empathy Volume. You keep calling it Empreuri.
0: Empreuri, I love it. Okay. Um, so if you're interested, go to zenparentingradio.com. Join uh, this one-month journey with us about empathy volume. The first month's free anyway, so actually it doesn't cost anything. Just enter the coupon code friend, and we'll be doing a lot of Facebook posts, a lot of videos. Um, and our Zen talks will be based around that as well.
1: So if you are looking at the podcast on your phone, if you scroll down to the notes, Todd's going to have join team Zen and you just click on that. Perfect. So yes. Th- you can go to the website if you want. Like if You don't need to.
0: Go to the notes on the... yeah, I assume you're listening on your phone. Just scroll down a little bit and click on join team Zen.
1: And also if you haven't already, click on um, subscribe to Zen Parenting Moment because I'm also going to be sending out Zen Parenting Moments that revolve around empathy. Boom. So if you really want, and again, duh, why are we doing this in February or in February? February, the rue. You're the putting Roo. the rue back in. I
0: know, because February, that's my way of doing it. you yeah. want to put the rue back yes. in. Yes, let's um, put the rue. That's, that's a good tagline. Let's put the rue back in. <laughs>
1: um, but in February, that's the month of love, right? And mm-hmm. and I want to. It's also Black History Month, yep. by the way. So we can do honor that, as honor well. many things in the same month. Um, But I want to say that the month of love is not just about romantic love. This is about self-understanding and love. This is about love with our um, partners. This is about love of community and world. And this is about our children, of course. So um, let's, let's all practice together.
0: Yes. Please join us. We would love to see you on the Zen Talks. Amongst other things.
1: Yes. And then also on our team's end page. But again, join us. Um, So do I want to go back to discussing what emotions mean. We've got about 15 minutes left. Okay, perfect. So let's discuss again, because you and I were talking about what emotions mean, and you had been learning Mm -hmm. kind of what they mean in your own leadership program. So I will read you what I have. Sure. Because I don't have all the emotions, so you might have more than me. Sure. But um, anger can teach us about our boundaries Mm -hmm. and what we believe needs to change. Do you have anything different uh, than that?
0: Yes, it's teaching us something that something is no longer of service or something that is not aligned and must be changed. So the anger is there to teach us something and boundaries, perfect. Like there's a boundary that's been crossed. So it's an opportunity or an invitation for us to realize a boundary has been crossed and it's time for us to reset our boundaries.
1: Yes. And sometimes like the word, like I said at the beginning, um, other words that are like similar to anger can be like annoyance, irritation, irritability, um, exasperation, displeasure. Like, can you guys tell I'm looking at synonyms right now? I'm like, well, just I got, up with I have reason.
0: a, I have a, a- PDF that talks about low level, low level anger, medium level anger and high. So low would be annoyed, bored, bothered. That's low level anger. Medium would be agitated, disgusted or frustrated and high level would be enraged, furious, hostile. Resentment. Resentment. Yeah.
1: Resentment's brutal. Resentment Uh, will eat you up, man. Like I did a, another Zen parenting moment that's coming out on Friday of this week about forgiveness. And we already talked about forgiveness last week, but you know, If there's any reason to practice forgiveness, which, again, I will reiterate, is not about the other person. It's about you cutting the cord and getting your energy back. Resentment will literally eat you alive. Mm -hmm. Like, it can give you stomach aches. It can give you, um, you know, ulcers. It can give you headaches. Like, being able to release that kind of rage and resentment. So, like, anger... And again, it may have come from a place that's deserving of your resentment. Please don't get me wrong. I'm not saying you shouldn't have felt it. I'm saying you've gone way beyond your
0: 90 seconds. Well, and speaking of feelings, we talked a little bit about body intelligence. So where anger typically resides is in your back or your shoulders or your neck or your jaw or even in your arms or your hands. So that's because we'll go through a few of these emotions, these primary emotions, Mm -hmm. but anger is typically in your jaw or your shoulder, your back. That's where you typically feel it.
1: And you know, that's what we were talking about before when we got distracted by the other things <clears throat> was about, you asked me about the mind body connection mm-hmm. and Todd's right in that you can start to relate. Like I know for sure when I am feeling afraid it's in my stomach or right below my stomach. I know for sure when I'm feeling like sadness or something that's like a, a heartbroken kind of experience and it can be old. I can be kind of going through something from childhood and, and I will feel it in my sternum. Yeah. I have actually had when I've been kind of moving through grief, a sore sternum. And I'm not messing with you. Like I've been worried about it yeah. before. It manifested
0: like, into the physical. It did, it I'm like, does. Todd, my
1: sternum my sternum is so sore. Like it's, it's, it's painful to the touch. Mm-hmm. And a lot of that was releasing of grief and sadness. So I guess my point is, is that as we're going through these emotions, these also manifest physical. physical.
0: Well, and I think I'll add for those, some some people are really good at um, identifying the emotion and expressing them. I typically am not that good and I'm trying not to beat myself up too much over that. But what's something that helps me sometimes is I want to give the emotion a sound or a movement just to get out of my my brain a little mm-hmm. bit. so just giving it like a sound. like what does anger sound like? And it would be like a yell or something like that, or punching a pillow. like give it some Do you some know what's activity. Funny?
1: My anger sound would be a gur mm. because mine, like right when you anger, said it-
0: gur, sweetie.
1: Grr, it It's like a growling, because I think it has to do with being a woman, mm. in that I haven't been given a lot of space to just do a as Scream. a barbaric yelp, yeah. as we would say. It's been more like a grr. Uh. Yeah. So that's what can make it be a resentment or a rage, mm-hmm. because it's a little under... So I have to be very thoughtful about anger, um, which sounds funny, because sometimes anger Anger can take on a life of its own and be really explosive and disruptive. Sure. But I can tell, like I can tell when I'm angry at Todd. Like I can tell even if it's really not his fault, even if I'm directing it toward him and it's not the right way, I can feel that resentment in my body. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? I do. And so it's like I I like to be... The thing that I will say about anger for everybody, and I know some of our... um, Anger is old, and that's more like about dealing with generational trauma, and, sure. and that's kind of a different level. But if you are feeling an anger, I, I have a really, I, I um, encourage you to figure out where it's coming from and why, and being really honest about it. It's not a win lose. Usually, when I'm explaining to Todd that I'm angry or feeling resentful, I point out what I think he's doing, and I also take responsibility for what I am doing or not doing. Um, so it's not a win-lose. But again, anger just grows in a gross way. Yeah.
0: Do you know what I mean? Yeah, it's like a cancer. Or it
1: is. It gets really tangled and that's, up. And
0: that happens when we push it down and don't give it a voice or a movement or expression.
1: You know what happens with a lot of couples? I don't work with couples as much as I used to, um, but what happens with a lot of... Um, people when they get a divorce is they won't even remember why. Mm -hmm. Like once the divorce, they'll be like, I don't know what it was. And what it was, was a lot of anger and resentment that was never spoken. Yeah. So you have to be really thoughtful about if you're feeling anger and resentment, don't let that get entangled in all the other aspects of your life.
0: And can you let it be expressed in a healthy way? Correct. Does it mean, you know, start screaming at your partner? cause that's unhealthy.
1: Yeah. I would start with, if you're feeling a lot of anger, I would start with your own therapist, Yes. not because it's yours necessarily to solve do alone, your
0: work, but do don't do your work with the person who's I- initiating the anger. Right.
1: Right. If
0: we have that opportunity, not everybody has the opportunity to do it, be a therapist, but we, we can all go through this ourselves. We can give it a sound, get a, give it a movement. We don't need a therapist to do that. So do your work. I'm going to do my work. i
1: and One. if you if you can't afford a therapist or that's not in the cards, start journaling about it sure. because start writing it out. So anyway, next he, emotion. Next emotion. Um sorry my phone, my Computers. thing is making sounds. Okay. Um okay. So sadness sure. can demonstrate like the depth of our love that we have for ourselves, others and the world. Like sadness is like um feeling sadness like we talked about before it's a process so mm-hmm. it's like a, a painful emotion of disconnection from something we valued yeah. so what do you have
0: I would say it's the energy of loss yeah. which is obvious uh, something needs to be let go of something that needs to said say goodbye to somebody something needs to be to be moved on from yeah so these are some of the uh, things that happen when it comes to sadness and then it usually resides in the heart and mm-hmm. for me it it's sometimes in the throat, like mm-hmm. I get a lump in my throat mm-hmm. and I, I, I love and hate that feeling mm-hmm. when I get that lump in my throat and I don't, it doesn't happen to me as much as it did when I was a little kid. And by the way, sometimes I told myself the story, like I'm not any good at this. But it's just, I just need to relearn this because I was an expert at this when I was one year old or two years old. And then society grabbed a hold of me and told me that I couldn't express it or I had to like hide it to keep somebody else safe in my household. So we all have this capacity Mm because we did when we showed up as babies. So we just need to, unlearn all the crap that we've been picking up since then.
1: You know what I was just thinking? Because you and I have talked about this a lot, but we've never really discussed your fifth chakra is that Which one is that? That's your throat. Oh, okay. And a lot of women struggle with the fifth chakra because that's expression and communication. Mm. And so a lot of times the the Kind of, and this is true visually too, the throat becomes a bottleneck yeah. where your emotion is trying Gets to come stuck. up and then you stop it. And that's why it becomes a lump. Visualize that emotion coming up and you stop it. So it lumps up.
0: Well, and I, this is weird, but I have a friend who has been battling thyroid cancer Correct. and yeah. he does not allow himself to speak. Correct. He's always holding, right? He's always holding it in. Exactly. And if you believe in Chinese medicine or some other type of medicine, that those two things are connected. Energy
1: block. Yeah. And and that's the thing, like even a you know, we were talking about resentment and anger anger and resentment is an energy block too. So if you consider like Todd, think about our relationship like pipes. Yeah. Okay. Right. And things are moving along and the water's flowing. And then all of a sudden resentment and anger is like a big clog in the pipe. Yeah.
0: I think of like a kinked hose.
1: Exactly. And if you think of what?
0: A kinked hose. A like, kinked. hose. I thought yeah. you said a
1: king's toes. No, I'm like, what?
0: A hose that is kinked. Yes. The water can't get, can't get the water
1: And I see like, because probably because I'm trying to pull hair out of all the
0: drains in our pipes house because
1: we've got girls with long hair and I do too is that I visualize a bunch of hair. Yeah. And so if we don't talk about that hair yeah. <laughs> then it just sits there and clogs the pipe. So Gets you got to you mm-hmm. got to keep the pipes clean. Yes. Um so anyway, that is that is sadness and and sadness is different than grief in that grief uh, sadness may impact an experience we had or something we valued, but grief has a greater impact of your perception of the world. Mm-hmm. Like grief can be life altering in how we see the world. And I'm not saying that to make it scary. Cause I think grief can be actually rather uh, like life altering in the best way yeah. where we start to notice what really matters. So it doesn't always go negative. Um, but grief takes more time.
0: Well, in some, the three columns, the low, the medium, the high, the low, Versions of sadness is you feel blue, you feel down, you feel lonely, somber, medium is discouraged, you're gloomy, you're hopeless, you're melancholy, and then the high levels of sadness would be agony, anguish, devastation, heartbroken, Mm -hmm. stuff like
1: that. Which is, you know, I guess they're all different layers of grief, right? Okay, so just a few more, um, because obviously every single one ha- we already talked about this, but disappointment. Mm-hmm. It tells us that we tried something that we cared about, like even sharing that with your kids. Like at the bottom of my Zen Parenting Moment, that's called uh, Messages and Arrows. I actually say, read this to your kid, yeah. or click, you know, text this link to your teenager, yeah. because. To say to our kids, the reason you feel disappointment is because you were brave and tried something and it didn't work out. Sure, like it's a disappointment is an arrow pointing to your bravery. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Sure. It could be a relationship that you tried that that didn't work out. Yeah. It could be a, a grade that you thought you were you studied for but you didn't get. Um, it's a very it can be a great arrow about what matters to us for sure, rather than something we're trying to avoid. Yeah. Do you have anything about that? Well, and
0: for me, disappointment falls under the umbrella of sadness. Yeah, you're right.
1: It does. But Um, yeah,
0: maybe we can get to fear and joy.
1: Can I do anxiety? Sure. Um, Anxiety encourages us. This is obvious. We talk about mindfulness all the time. Anxiety encourages us to pay attention to the now rather than the past or the future. Mm -hmm. Anxiety is the greatest message that we are not here. Mm -hmm. now. I'm not trying to simplify anxiety. I have it myself. When I say I have it, I mean I definitely experience it and I have a history with it. So I'm not trying to simplify something that's quite complex and can feel clinical, you know what I mean, in that we experience it, you know, a lot or that we've had really big bouts of it. Um, But what I'm saying is that really the underlying issue is that we're regretting something that did or didn't happen in the past. Or we're concerned about what's going to happen tomorrow, and that in itself tells you anxiety is saying you're not here. Yeah. Okay. So go ahead. Well, and I would, I'm,
0: I like the term fear, and you know, anxiety and fear. I think similar. I think think of anxiety as maybe some fear and maybe some anger mixed in or no sadness.
1: And I think of anxiety as very physical. Yeah. Like my anxiety, that's my red flag that I'm moving fast. Or I go down a rabbit hole of like trying to investigate it too much. Mm -hmm. You know, that's where we start Googling things like as if Google has all the answers for us. Um, I also feel anxiety in my body. Anxiety can give me headaches um, anxiety can make my stomach hurt in the same place that I feel fear, yeah. like you said, um, and so it's very powerful. Sure. And as we know, um, long-term anxiety can make us just as sick as smoking a pack a day. Yeah. So it's a pack of cigarettes that is. Um, you know, we focus a lot on our physicality. Um, I was telling Todd this because when I go to uh, doctor's appointments, I tend to have what's called. Um, white coat blood pressure, Mm. where I sit down and my blood pressure goes way high when they take it the first time. And I really do know why. And I feel like the more I talk about it, the better it is. My dad had high blood pressure my whole life and ended up um, having congestive heart failure and he died. Mm -hmm. Um, And I lived with his illness for a very long time, right? He had his first heart attack when I was a freshman in high school. So it wasn't like just over the last 20 years it was. And so... Well, think about blood,
0: that. You were 14 years old. Correct.
1: So high blood pressure scares me. Yeah. Okay. It's like one of those things where when I was young and to be like 115 over 80, I'm like, yes. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, I think one time, I was at the optometrist, ironically, and they took my blood pressure and it was like 130 over something. And I was like, what? Mm-hmm. And from that point on, and they, theirs could have been wrong, yeah. by the way, but from that point that on- That was the
0: start of your anxiety.
1: Exactly. So I always say to them, take my blood pressure again when you leave and my, or before i leave and my doctor who's so sweet she's in she's in Elmhurst she i was telling her all about this and she sat me down and she rubbed my back and she held my arm did my blood pressure again and it was fine and she said i'm going to put in the chart that you have this. Yeah. So then every nurse who takes your blood pressure is a little more gentle with you. And I was like, Thank you. Yeah. Not that they're not gentle with me. What I mean is that they just know be, aware. That. Yeah, be gen- aware
0: of what's going on.
1: Nurses are always lovely to me, but if they don't know that, they just say, Get up here and you know. Yeah. So um I don't know why I went down that track of That's my okay. high blood pressure. Um, I think because I was talking about anxiety, you know, and that, so anyway, go ahead. So
0: yeah, as far as fear goes, uh, something needs to be known. Something needs to be faced that you're not facing. You need to wake up, think about, you know, walking across the street, you know, there's fear there from getting hit by a car. So it's like an alert. Right. So sometimes being afraid can wake you up to something that isn't being looked at. That's true too. And it usually resides in the belly fear you kind of yep. you know think of the butterflies before you give a presentation. Yep. So, uh, yeah, those are some of the things that I know about fear. So, we should probably wrap up cuz we're an hour and 2 minutes and I got something cooking. Do we want to talk about joy real quick?
1: Well, we kind of did at the yeah, beginning. What else, but we'll come full circle just to finish up and say that joy, you know, if there's something that I could beg you to do is to breathe in your joy and that know that you're deserving of it and that when you have a moment that's really beautiful or lovely, say out loud or internally, thank you, mm. and take it in because pushing it away, I, I did a, a Zen parenting moment about this dress rehearsing tragedy, pretending that you're not feeling it or thinking you're undeserving or thinking that feeling it will cause something bad to happen is all baloney. So you're hearing it here, it's research-based baloney. Yeah. Like it's not just because Kathy's saying it, We've there's been research around this. You can breathe in your joy and it will not make you a selfish person. It's
0: all good. And I would even (laughs) say breathe in the fear and the anger and the sadness instead of resist it. Like face it, um, even though it's uncomfortable and it's totally counterintuitive. Like, no, this doesn't feel good. So I want to move away from it. I want to have a beer or I want to go work out. Turn towards it. I should use I statements. I need to turn towards these uncomfortable feelings when they show up because that weirdly is the thing that gives them less power over you.
1: There's actually a breathing exercise um, that Pema Chodron teaches um, called Tong Len. Mm, yeah, that's right. And you actually, when you're feeling fear and anxiety, you breathe it in. It's because you think you'd push it away, right? right. Like, oh, I don't want that. Right. Because we're always talking about push away negative energy, but this is your fear. Yeah. So it's okay to breathe it in because it's already in it's you. It's not
0: going anywhere. It's already there. So
1: you, Tong Len is breathing in that fear and anxiety and then allowing yourself to create compassion for it and then breathing it out into the world as compassion. Yeah. So there transform. are practices to transform these feelings. And again, the whole point of this podcast is Tata's closing here is that the more you can do this practice and understand the messages and arrows of your feelings, you can allow your children to as well. Because as resilient as we believe as our children are, and they are they are also going through a difficult time right now. The, so are we, but the pandemic has done a number on all of our kids, and we can't deny that. And the more we can allow them to have feelings about this time, the better off they'll be. So that's that's kind of what I, I want to make sure that our kids know it's okay. You know, my daughter was saying the other day how ripped off she's been. I'm like, you're damn right you've been ripped
0: off. Yeah. You know? Yeah, and just model. You want your kids to be able to deal with their emotions? Yeah. Deal, uh, Let's deal with ours. That's right. It's a way to do it. Um, okay, so three points. One is uh, subscribe to Kathy's Zen Parenting Moment. Uh, sign up for Empruary. <laughs> and then uh, Men Living, any guys out there, sign up for our newsletter so you can check out some of our programs. And Jeremy Kraft, he's a bald-headed beauty, painting and remodeling throughout the Chicagoland area. 630-956-1800. Thank you for partnering with us, avidco.net and uh, breakfast club tomorrow.
1: Breakfast club.
0: Don't you forget okay. about me. Uh, keep trucking everybody.
1: Thanks for listening, everyone. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss an episode and feel free to leave a five-star review. It helps people find
0: us. Hey, looking for more support, exclusive content and an awesome community of parents join team Zen where you'll get zero pressure and a hundred percent support. First month's free if you enter the coupon code FRIEND. Go to zenparentingradio.com.
1: Time is at a premium these days, which is why we're delivering help and hope right to your inbox. Sign up to receive Zen Parenting Moment, a quick read two times a week that helps ground you and remind you of what you already know. Go to zenparentingradio.com to subscribe.
0: A special shout out to the guys or for women who want to share a pretty great opportunity with the men in their lives. Men Living is committed to improving men's lives through connection. Included in our program is a low pressure, 75-minute weekly virtual gathering for men to give and get support and build friendships. If you want to learn more, you can head to menliving.org.
1: Join us for our other podcast, Pop Culturing, where we take a Gen X view on movies and TV and have fun breaking down key moments and the themes that teach us what it means to be human.
0: And don't forget about our founding partner, Jeremy Kraft, at avidco.net. Uh, he is a bald head of beauty, painting and remodeling throughout Chicago and area. His number is 630-956-1800. Thanks for listening, everybody, and keep on trucking.